Hello, and welcome to the Beef Cattle Health and Nutrition Podcast, Episode 6. I'm your host, Dr. John Campbell. I'm a veterinarian and a professor at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. This week, my guest is Dr. Gabriel Ribeiro, who is trained both as a veterinarian and a nutritionist. Gabe is the Saskatchewan Industry Beef Chair in the Department of Animal Science at the University of Saskatchewan. Today, our topic is all about how best to utilize low-quality forages in a winter feeding program. Let's get started. Today, my guest is Dr. Gabriel Ribeiro from the Department of Animal Science, and he currently serves as the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Chair. Welcome to the podcast, Gabe. Thanks, John. Uh, Pleasure to be here and to be doing this with you here. Great. Well, maybe we'll start by having you uh, just introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background and what kind of things you do for in your research areas. Sounds good. Yeah, so I'm originally from Brazil and I've uh, been here at the University of Saskatchewan since 2019. Um, I did my, uh, I'm a vet by training, but after my vet degree, I went and did my master's and PhD in ruminant nutrition. And I have been here in Canada doing some research and working since 2012. And um, in 2019, I moved to the University of Saskatchewan. And my focus, uh, my research focuses on uh, beef cattle nutrition and production. So um, I've uh, moved away from the veterinarian part to the more production and nutrition side over my career. And But definitely the, the vet side definitely helps us understand some of the consequences of many of the nutrition issues we have. <laughs> Today we want to talk about uh, utilizing low quality forages and and uh, we've had some significant droughts in many parts of Western Canada in the last few years and there's still some areas that are quite dry and as a result a lot of producers have had to feed their cows some unusual feeds and some poor quality forages. How do you define a low quality forage and maybe give us some examples yeah so the, the defining forage quality can be a bit of complex uh, thing right if you go and look at how many people define um there's many ways you can do that but uh basically uh, to simplify things uh it's usually the quality of a forage is usually associated with its potential to promote gain uh, every uh, body weight gain or milk production, right? So uh, there's many factors that will uh, affect that, but usually the two or the most important ones will be the intake of that forage by animals. So the potential an animal has to to eat that forage, and then the digestibility of that forage. So usually on high quality forages, those usually have a higher intake potential, and they are also uh, digested better by animals and then a low quality forage you promote lower digestibility and lower intake so what are some of the common characteristics of those lower quality forages so the the low, the low quality forages when we try to bunch them together usually they're uh, the main traits we see or characteristics we see is that they have low protein content usually lower than seven percent crude protein and they are pretty high in fiber uh, NDF, ADF, lignin, right? So they're usually uh, hard to, they have lower digestibility, they're higher, uh, lower in, di- uh, in energy, and they will promote that lower, uh, lower dry matter intake by animals. 
and as an example of those uh, those forages, right, low quality forages, uh, we have many many of those that that will fit there. Like uh, for example, late maturity hay or stockpiled forages, and most of the crop residues like straw or corn stover or even canola straw would fit there. Uh, many times uh, we have dressed stressed crops that uh, we uh, try to salvage uh, by putting cattle on those that can uh, sometimes fit into lower quality forage too. And for some reason, even some silage, if we don't uh, harvest in the right time or there's some issues, we can have some silage that are pretty low in quality too, depending on the, the material when we harvest that material and how we preserve that silage, I guess. How can feeding then those kind of types of feeds, how, how does that impact the performance and animal health issues that we might see in those animals? Yeah, so the, the low, low quality forage is, like I said, that they have higher fiber and lower protein content, and they're usually associated with lower uh, intake on cattle, right? So those lower intake uh, if we don't correct, or the, the lower quality that uh, from that forage, if we don't correct that, or if we don't balance that appropriately, we'll most likely promote lower performance of those animals, and uh, and the animals will likely not uh, meet our expectations if we don't uh, correct those uh, imbalances. Right? Uh, one of the common uh, issues we have is uh, like now in winter. When feeding low-quality forages to to pregnant beef cows, is problems with uh, abomazo impaction, right? Uh, so it's pretty common in the cold months. Uh, this low-quality forages that have very low digestibility and they're low in protein and energy um, can really cause a, 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 a an issue to the cow and. The risk is even greater when temperatures are below 25, 26 degrees Celsius. Uh, and, uh, and and so we need to make sure um, we are we understand the limitations of those low quality forages and we can uh, correct some of those limitations so we prevent that uh, uh, from from happening. Yes, and and certainly we just got some pretty cold weather here this week in Saskatchewan, and and obviously uh, those are the kind of climatic conditions that that uh, make those rumen impactions more likely. And and every year, I think we see the occasional animal or sometimes a herd problem where, where rumen impactions are, are causing some animal health issues or abomasal impactions, I should say. What are some of the significant management issues then that producers should consider if they have some of these lower quality forages that they want to utilize in their herd? Yeah, so... Um... I think uh, one of the important things to think about is uh, in mostly with this abomazon impaction and feeding low quality forage uh, is this uh, having water available is really important. Um, and it's very common here, in, at least in Western Canada, for producers to depend a lot on snow as a source of uh, to meet the requirement of animals in terms of water. However, when we're thinking about uh, uh, these animals that are on low quality forage, we should not really de uh, be um, uh, counting on those uh, on, on snow for that requirement, right? Uh, on low quality forage, animals will spend a lot of time eating and ruminating. 
they won't have enough time to be eating enough snow. And also we need like quite a bit of water to promote, uh, uh, to maximize the digestion of those low quality forests. So making sure first that uh, those animals on those low quality forests have access to good, good quality and source of water. And that is uh, easily available, very, very important. Uh, the other thing is, uh, uh, we need to make sure we are supplementing those forests because they are likely going to be deficient in energy and protein, minerals and vitamins, right? Uh, in, in the first, I think, step to do to 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 do that and uh, and to make sure we are successful is to to feed test our our forages first, right? We need to know what's in that in those forages, and I'm sure um, I guess you you already had a podcast on feed testing, right? And covered a lot of those issues, the importance of feed testing. So um, there's so much variability in the quality of forages and in the, even in the same species or the same type of forage uh, that we can't really uh, count on, on the values we get uh, from, from, from tables or books. Uh, so really sending samples away to get that forage analyzed is gonna be a first step into uh, trying to balance diets after because then we can then meet or a super, supplement those animals with uh, uh, exactly what they need uh, to 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 meet their requirements, right? So in this way, we don't uh, oversupply or undersupply any nutrients uh, inter, uh, for for those animals. I think that uh, I think that would be an important step there to make sure we are successful when we're working with low quality forage. And then. We also, I mean, part of that feed testing too, is we want to match the feed to the animal nutrient requirements. So there might be situations where you can use those lower quality forages for different animal types or animal classes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's a, a really important thing. And, and uh, well, I think one of the first things when we're, uh, I think, talking to producer is, is very important for producers to uh, maybe have a list or rank their, their uh, 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 kind of have an inventory of their of their animals and group them in different classes and then rank them in terms of uh, of nutrient requirements and then we can do the same with the forages that we have available right we can we can rank the forage in terms of forage quality based on the or feed test that we get back and then uh, we can we can match those those requirements or use the the forages we have with better quality to the animals that have a higher nutrient requirement and lower quality with the animals that have lower nutrient requirements, right? Uh, in this way, we uh, we would need less um, to buy less. I think a uh, supplement from outside to 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 supplement those forages for each category, right? And one other thing that's important to 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 comment here is some animals, like I said, have better uh, ability to digest low quality forages than others. Some classes of animals, right? We know that very young animals, like uh, like recent we recently weaned animals, they don't do as well on very very low quality forage, right? Uh, usually, more mature animals will have a ability to eat those low quality forages, higher fiber, um, much uh, much better. The intake will be much better on those forages compared to those uh, very young animals. So, understanding that and then having those groups separate in the farm. And then being able to to plan and 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 feed them separately um, 
and it will be very important, right? So I, I think that this is a, one, a, one important, really important thing to consider uh, before um, going ahead and, and, uh, and, and making diets, right? Really grouping them by category so we can have diets that are more adequate for each of those classes. And, uh, and then in the end, be able to save some money in this way. Yeah, too. that's good advice. I think it's one of those things that might be tougher for smaller uh, producers smaller with smaller herd numbers to maybe manage that as easily as uh, as as those uh, larger herds, but but it's so important and and uh, separating those higher requirement animals from from the lower requirement animals can make it a lot more efficient use of your feeds. Yeah, yeah, and 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 just think on 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 this uh, uh, this line, John. I think. Uh, if you think about like sometimes we have a group of animals that are in good body condition, but then you have groups of cows. If you think of a group of cows that are not as good, right? Like you have more uh, maybe uh, uh, second calving heifers or heifers that are uh, cows that are still growing, right? That uh, we'll need a little bit more energy. So if you can group those animals a little bit separate, then maybe able to um, uh, to 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 meet those requirements of those animals that need a little bit more, like cows that are not in as good body condition, uh, compared to animals that are a little bit over conditioned or in, in more in better better body condition score. Uh, so I think those are important, but definitely uh, when we look at a very uh, in, in smaller farms uh, where the number of cows is reduced, maybe a bit difficult to. To, to divide too much definitely it's a it's a challenge in those in those situations you mentioned earlier that a lot of these low quality forages have higher fiber levels or higher ndf levels how does that impact feed intake you sort of uh intimated it earlier but uh, maybe just go over that a little bit more for us yeah for sure so um when we look at forage quality like i said we we the the higher forage quality usually promotes higher intake, right? So, um, and a lot of the when we look at what uh, restricts feed intake or regulates feed intake in a in a in a, in a cow or in a in cattle fed high forage diets, uh, it's really that uh, the physical factor of that diet or that the bulkness of that fiber or of that of that diet that's also uh, related to how much fiber is in that diet, right? So if we look at and how much an animal can eat of a high forage, a high quality forage, usually it can be anywhere from from a two percent or even higher than three percent of their body weight in terms of how much di uh, feed they can eat in, in weight. And then when we look, uh, and if you look on the other side, like in a low quality forage, it's uh, uh, usually lower than one and a half percent of their body weight, right? And sometimes if you're talking about straw that's really hard to digest, very high in fiber, um, uh, that can be even lower than 1.2% of their body weight. So that will make, make it really, really hard or basically impossible to meet the requirements of most animals in a farm, right? So that's why um, the supplementation should be very important in that, in that condition, not just in terms of like uh, protein, that uh, those forages are really low in protein, but even to meet their energy requirement, uh, we will need likely for most classes to supplement some energy too. 
So a producer, if they're in a situation and they have maybe not a lot of choice, they're going to have to utilize some lower quality forages in their herd this winter. Um, we've talked about sort of animal category selection as one way of of utilizing those feeds. But what about uh, supplementation? What sort of things can do we maybe need to think about adding to the ration if we have to use some of those lower quality forages? Um when we are thinking about uh, formulating those diets, uh, and and then that, like you said, we have that's what we have: low quality forage. Um, first thing we start with that uh, seed test, knowing what's in that low quality forage, and then we look at the requirement of that group of animals, and then what's missing there, right? So usually we work with producers should be working with their nutritionists or veterinarians or whoever is responsible in that farm to to. He, he, whoever he has available and just to remind that some provinces like uh, Saskatchewan here we have like livestock specialists that can help producers uh, with that that are their job is really uh, to do that extension part and really uh, they can be really helpful with that and they can work with with producers and uh, get the requirements of those animals and then see what type of supplementation will be needed to uh, to meet the requirements uh, of this, the, the, that group of animals specifically, right? So usually, like I said, uh, protein definitely would be required. So we will need to supplement some protein uh, and likely some energy too. Uh, and definitely minerals and vitamins is very, very important. So um, uh, we... We, we need to think that uh, when we're thinking low, uh, feeding low quality forage, if who is doing the hard work, there's the, the microbes in the rumen, right? The, the, the cattle itself, they don't have those enzymes. And then we need to feed those microbes like uh, everything we can to, to make them as active and uh, as, as possible so, they, so they can do that hard work, right? Like, it's like thinking like a car, we need to put fuel so they can we can go we can drive right like the, those microbes they need some specific fuels to to be able to to do to do that uh, fiber digestion um, and some of them are minerals and vitamins that will be important there to maximize that uh, other things are like some type of nitrogen source that's why the protein will be very important there and it's important to 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 make a point here that sometimes people think that just urea would be enough as a nitrogen source, but it, but it really is not. Re, urea can be used, and it, we use it a lot to supplement some of the nitrogen requirement in the rumen and, and a, as a source of protein there. Uh, but those microbes also need like re, a, a true source of protein, like real amino acids and and, and peptides to really maximize their uh, their uh, activity or, or action there in the rumen, so they can really break down fiber. So understanding that, uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's really important. So we can plan and um, design or formulate better diets, right? That can maximize uh, that the breakdown of that really uh, indigestible fiber that we we are providing them there. Uh, and well, I think uh, on the minerals and vitamins, uh, a lot of times we. Uh, uh, we see that people try to to save some some save save a little bit of of money there and and, and 
and we we often see that they're not like um, uh, providing enough supplementation there, and it's important to to pay attention to that because um, on the total cost feeding cost when we look at the total feeding cost of the cow on the farm, it's a very small cost for the the benefit you get uh, from that. So definitely, I would uh, suggest you not just try to save. Uh, or to save on that portion there, uh, and even more when you're feeding low-quality forages because they are very low in, in terms of like minerals and vitamins. Uh, so those animals will really, really need, and not just the animal, but the, the microbes that are going to be digesting that forage, will need those minerals and vitamins to, to really uh, uh, be able to break down that, that fiber. Um, and, and, and in that... Uh, formulation, right, your, the nutritionist or whoever's doing your diet, they will look into what's, uh, what's required and, and make sure uh, uh, what you have is going to be meeting those requirements. Um, there's many, many products out there and many uh, uh, companies that uh, supply those, those, those minerals and vitamins. And there's many, many ways you can do that or implement that in the diet, right? Um, there is mineral and vitamin supplements that you can supply free choice. Uh, and there's some of that that you can mix into, into a, a supplement with your protein, like a, your, uh, or, or cereal grain, and, and force feed that to animals. So and, and any of those strategies can work, okay? Like, I think that's an important point to make. Uh, definitely uh, force feeding those minerals Together, if a supplement or in a TMR, if you're mix, if you're mixing a diet, uh, definitely the best way because you ensure that animals are getting what you want them from. But even in a in a free choice system, we can uh, uh, do a good job, and we can uh, animals can get what they need if uh, if we can keep track and we are making sure that uh, they are eating what we want them to eat, right? From from those free free choice supplements. So. Uh, sometimes it's really hard to uh, to know if all the animals in that group is getting that supplement or eating enough of that supplement. But uh, just tracking how much you you put out of that uh, free choice supplement on a uh, to to a group of animals and knowing how long that supplement lasts, and then you can divide by the number of days and by the number of uh, of cows gives us a good idea of the ballpark of how much they're eating of that supplement. And then if they're not eating enough or if they're eating too much, then you can uh, adjust that with your nutritionist or with the feed company that sells the supplements. They can advise you on how to adjust that uh, to ensure that they're eating what they, they need from that supplement, right? So I, I think that's very, very, very important. We can't just uh, buy a, a mineral supplement and throw it out there like uh, in a free choice and expect or Think that animals will be eating, right? There, we need to do a little bit of our part in, in keeping track of that and, and, and try to control that get, to have a better handle. And I think uh, in this way, with like some, most times we can, uh, we can get a good supplementation in terms of the mineral and vitamins and, and, and ensure that that's not going to be a problem. If we have free choice uh, mineral vitamin supplement, uh, if we incorporate salt with that does that drive intake a little more consistently or do we know that yeah definitely like so one of the things is some supplements some mineral supplements can uh, 
be a little uh, intakes might not be so high they, they might not have the the, uh, the taste might not be the best but some of the uh, some of the minerals can cause that and and from uh, from all the minerals I guess that we have like a uh, salt definitely is what helps and drives intake of those minerals so for example if a free choice mineral that we have is not being consumed uh, as much one of the first things we try to do is add some salt uh, 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 to that product usually that helps a lot in driving the intake of that forage uh, of that mineral and another thing is like um, uh, th that salt and that mineral will help a lot with the uh, with, with the water intakes uh, and and can also help with the passage rates uh, through the rumen of that forage and, and the liquid and solid through that rumen. And that's gonna be really important because on low quality forage, you wanna make sure that that rumen is, is really being, uh, is pushing as much fiber through as possible so the animal can eat more. Because if, if that becomes limited, that, that, that forage stays for too long in the rumen, then it, promote, uh, it reduces intake even more. So then having enough salt and minerals will be important because it will promote more water intake and it will promote a, a, a more of a higher turnover of that room and it will drive intake of overall of that diet, right? Which would be really important in those low quality forages and can definitely help prevent some of those um, abomeso uh, impaction that we were talking earlier in the program. Is there anything we can do in terms of post-harvest treatments of the forages that can improve their utilization? Yeah, I think uh, there's a few things we can do, but I uh, I think producers should should make, uh, think about that um, first uh, on the things we've already discussed here. That I think there were the main points, right? Like to, thinking on the class of animals and the group and the forage uh, that's more appropriate for each group of animals, and then look into that uh, diet as a whole and balance that diet. And once we've, we've covered all those aspects, then we start to think on what else can we do. And when we look at like um, post-harvest treatments, uh, we, can, we can maybe classify or divide them in physical treatments and chemical treatments. And specifically when we go into physical treatments, uh, what we have out there will be basically chopping, grinding, or grinding and pelleting. Right, um, so the most common thing would be chopping, right? And when we go and, and try to look at the literature, what's available on chopping of low quality forages, uh, usually there's no, not a really much consistent improvement uh, in terms of uh, performance just by chopping, uh, but it definitely can reduce uh, your wastage and sorting uh, in the, if you're mixing a diet. Uh, and by chopping, you can reduce that wastage in the pan and everything, right? Uh, uh, so that would be a, a, the advantage of chopping. Um, other than that, in terms of the intake and digestibility itself, we should not be expecting much uh, improvement there. In terms of like grinding, grinding can help uh, a little bit with the intake. It will definitely improve intake of uh, mostly on the lower or younger animals. Uh, uh, but, uh, but performance usually, usually not really improved much, uh, grinding and pelleting usually improves intake more than just grinding. And 
we associate with that, we also have increased uh, increased performance and and also feed efficiency, which can be be interesting. But uh, I think uh, an important thing to consider when we're grinding and pelleting is uh, and and just grinding uh, is that we 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 lose that uh, physical effectivity that that fiber has that that forage has. So um, it stops. Um, acting like a uh, like a forage in the room and in terms of maintaining uh, room and health uh, and maintaining that room and ph that's so important right so um so if we're doing that we start to comparing you will be start to compare that forage more to a concentrate to a supplement than to a forage itself um but definitely can be uh, a way to to make a little bit more of lower quality forage just get a little bit more energy of lower quality forage uh, but definitely, uh, it wouldn't be advisable to to just feed straight up grind ground and pelleted forage because of we we reduce completely the ability to maintain room and pH from that forage. Another thing is by doing that you add some costs to it, so it's things to consider uh, when when doing that when doing that. How about chemical treatments? And so in terms of, of chemical treatments, uh, we have many out, uh, options out there. Most of the, the chemical treatments we're talking here that we have, that have shown like uh, uh, potential to improve digestion of those fibers would be the alkali treatments. It can be sodium hydroxide, potassium hydroxide, calcium hydroxide, um, uh, ammoniation. Uh, and lately we hear more and more, and we've seen more and more people talking about calcium oxide. So it would be the most common one. Uh, and they're kind of, in, um, the basis for them to work is that by applying some of those uh, alkalis, uh, they would uh, help solubilize some of that fiber, that uh, hemicellulose, that lignin, that really uh, makes that digestion of that fiber a little bit harder in the rumen. Uh, so they would, break break help break down some of that fiber um, in addition to increase the hydration of that fiber when it reaches the rumen a little making that happen a little bit faster uh, so then the digestion uh, by the microbes the breakdown of that fiber can happen a little bit faster too from all those treatments i think the the ones that uh, there's quite a bit of variability in terms of results in the literature but the ones that we have more consistency in, in terms of results would be with sodium uh, hydroxide and, and ammoniation. However, with both of those chemical treatments, we have a lot of like uh, issues in terms of safety concerns of, of doing those treatments. So we have not seen a lot of like uptake by industry, by producers because of that. Um, we definitely know about a few producers here and there that have been doing some ammoniation in the last few years. Uh, but uh, there's there's many safety concerns into the handling of, of those products that uh, make widespread of that technology a bit difficult, uh, a bit difficult. Um, and because of that, uh, there's been quite uh, a bit of interest in calcium oxide. So calcium oxide is a bit is much safer to work with and easier to work with than all of the other ones. And we've done some 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 work with calcium oxide in the last uh, few years um, and had quite interesting results. Uh, so usually 
when we're treating a low quality straw, for example, with calcium oxide, we're talking about adding about 5% calcium, uh, calcium oxide to that straw and, um, and increasing the moisture of that straw to about 50% moisture, right? So you get a straw that's 90, 10% uh, moisture uh, and we got to add water until we, the total volume gets up to 50% moisture. And, uh, and we, from our results, you don't have to wait long periods of time, right? You, um, we've done testing, treating it for 24 hours or treating it, it just before feeding. And seems like you don't need a, a long period of time. The reaction is quite fast. So uh, you treat and in a, in a few minutes, like an hour or so, that, that reaction is already completed. Um, we were able, for example, to, to replace uh, silage in finishing diets. And so it wasn't a high inclusion of silage with a, a calcium oxide treated wheat straw and animals maintain performance. Um, we still uh, don't have a lot of data on a high forage diet, like comparing like if you're feeding um, a cow, which is, are, could be fed a lot more of that uh, calcium oxide treated straw. Um, we don't have those, uh, we don't have data on that, uh, but there's a lot of producers uh, using and um, there's a lot of research com uh, coming out on that. And um, it has helped, right? It, uh, uh, a, a little bit on the terms of the intake. Um, so, but, but um, there is a little bit of variability, right? So it, it's not gonna completely change that forage. It's not gonna make a low quality forage a good quality forage, right? So you just gotta make sure uh, producer understand that, but can definitely boost a little bit or improve a little bit the quality of that forage. Just important to keep that in mind. Right. So none of those post-harvest treatments are going to miraculously change our forage into good quality, but they might they might help a little bit. And probably you need some advice from uh, nutritionists before you start tackling those uh, in any fashion. So just to wrap up, can you summarize some of the key points of the issues that a producer should consider when they have to utilize low quality forages? Uh, for sure. So John, when you, uh, like we said, I think the important things to consider is first uh, uh, being able to, to have an inventory of all the animals and classes of animals we have in the farm that we need to supplement and, and try to, to see what forages are available in that farm. So if we have different classes of animals and if we have different options of forage, then we can best uh, uh, choose the right forages for the right class of animal. Uh, secondly, make sure we have, uh, we, we seed test all those, those forages uh, because with that in hand, we can better uh, uh, balance diets that will uh, meet the requirements of the different group of groups of animals in that farm. Um, when we are thinking about balancing those diets, right, like we said earlier, really uh, supplementing uh, with that protein, energy, uh, mineral and vitamins will be important. And one way to help uh, meet uh, those protein and energy requirements um, that will be important in those uh, two, uh, to supplement in the low, uh, when feeding low quality forage. One of the important things to think about is about local feedstuffs or byproducts. What type of processing plant or facility is around your farm 
or close in a in a close distance to your farm because they might have uh, interested interesting byproducts uh, that we can um, then use that can likely most uh, most often help in uh, achieve those uh, uh, meet those requirements in terms of protein and energy at a lower cost, right? So always important to know what's around us and, and try to make the most of those local feed stuff or byproducts, right? Um, once we consider those things that uh, the requirements of those animals and um, we feed test those forages and work with our nutritionist or veterinarian to make sure we have those and uh, those diets balanced and supplemented with uh, with what is low or what's that what that forage is not providing. Uh, then we definitely start to consider if so we can do something in terms of processing technique if we're going to look at uh, some physical or chemical treatment. Um, so I think with some of the, those things in mind, we can definitely uh, make the most of the of the low quality forages. Another thing, very very important, ensure that those animals have uh, water available and good quality water available. Uh, it will be very very important and. Do not uh, um, um, think that uh, minerals and vitamins, just because requirements of animals are small, are not uh, that important. Like they are very, very important in uh, making sure that animals are getting what they need in terms of mineral and vitamins will really, really be important to make the most of those low quality forages. Thanks for all the great information, Gabe. I really appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast. I learned a lot today, so I hope our audience did too. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back at some point. Thanks again. Thanks, John. Great to be here and talking to you and and your listeners here. And I'm always available. Great. Thank you. That's our show for this week. Thanks to everyone for listening. We really appreciate the support. And thanks again to my guest, Dr. Gabriel Ribeiro. Thank you as well to our sponsors, the Alberta Beef Producers and the Beef Cattle Research Council. Please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have questions or comments or would like to suggest topics that you'd like to see covered in future episodes, please email us at bchnpodcast at gmail.com. Take care till next time.